Tech Talk. Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. This is News Talk. Hello and welcome to Tech Talk. Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Coming up over the next hour, I'll chat with Samsung about the brand new S22 lineup. And we'll hear about the programme looking to tackle digital inequality here in Ireland. As always, you can email the show techtalk at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Twitter at JessKellyNT. Now, Mobile World Congress is fast approaching, which means we're going to get plenty of new devices in the coming weeks. And as we've spoken about before on this programme and indeed on the Pat Kenny show, it's getting harder and harder to distinguish between one phone and another. It's getting harder to find flaws with the new devices. And it's also getting much harder to justify spending more than a thousand euro on a new phone because there are so many devices at more affordable price points. The uh, the first big phone launch of 2022 took place on Wednesday of this week. We got a first look at the Samsung Galaxy S22 lineup. And I'm not going to lie, I was very excited about this one. I have been a Samsung fan for many years now, and I was really eager to see what they'd unveil. And I'm delighted to be joined now by Quentin Dorn O'Reilly, the head of product management for the IM division in Samsung Ireland. Quentin, I always love talking to you because it means we have a new phone, which is always very exciting. Uh, can you introduce us to the new S22 range? Yes, absolutely, Jess. So as you have probably heard a lot of in the last few days, we've just launched the latest members of the Galaxy S family of smartphones. So that's the S22 S22 Plus, and most excitingly for, for uh, people who love an S Pen, the S22 Ultra. We did actually also launch a uh, tablet range at the same time, which is the successors to the Tab S7 family, the Tab S8, the Tab S8 Plus, and again, most excitingly, and for the first time ever, the Galaxy Tab S8 Ultra. So that's the first time we've brought an Ultra category to the tablet uh, uh, S series, um, which is wildly exciting. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll get to the tablet in a sec. But for those, I think the last <laughs> time we were talking, it was about the the Z range, so the foldable phones, which, as I mentioned at the time, I love the Flip, the Z Flip 3, I think. If I could go out and buy any phone right now, that would be the one that I would go for. Um, but can you just remind people where the S range sits, where the Z range sits and the A and the A range as well, because there's so many phones out there. And I think people can sometimes feel a bit overwhelmed by trying to figure out which of the streams of phones from the different brands is targeted towards them, if you get me. One of the key things that we've always been really keen to do is give people choice. And it's not just a choice of specs. And of course, today we're probably going to talk quite a lot about the capabilities of the devices, but also across price ranges as well. So for um, the more price conscious consumers, we have the A-series devices, starting with the uh, Galaxy A12 at the moment, going right the way up to the Galaxy A52s. And as you go up in even the A-series stack, you get more and more and more um features and capabilities so by the time you get up to something like the a52s 5g well you've got a 5g phone but also supports things like ip67 which is your dust and water resistance 
And then from there, you step up into the S series. And S series for us has always been the flagship, the, the, our, our mass flagship device. And of course, the S22 range that we announced yesterday um, is the latest incarnation of the S series devices. And then from there, you step up, as you say, into the Z series devices or um, our foldables. And they're really the, the, the absolute pinnacle of, of style and function. You've got devices with folding glass screens um, that produce results on the cameras that are just spectacular. And then we also have a, another category, which is our robust um, Excover range. And they're the ones that are built to survive any amount of abuse and we tend to sell quite a lot of those into our enterprise business in particular but for anyone just going for a bike ride they're also quite a sensible device okay well that is a, a very comprehensive guide to all of the devices that have ever existed from samsung and um, but as i said we're talking now because of the s22 range uh, i have in my hand right now the s22 plus which is a beautiful phone um, and I know that can sound quite superficial but the look and feel of a phone is super important to me because there are so many out there and that, that that's very often what it comes down to it's how you feel about a phone um, is the camera the standout point of difference about the S22 range or how would you define the key characteristic of this lineup? There are loads and loads and loads of differences between the, the new S22 range and their the predecessors, the, the S21 range. As you say, form factor design, the shape and feel are the first things that you notice. And these are a much more, um, they're, they're much slicker when you have them in hand, much neater feeling, despite the fact that screen sizes are virtually identical. In fact, the footprint um, for the S22 and the S22 Plus is about 5% smaller than its predecessors. But it's not just about the feel and the look of the device. There's a lot more when you start looking at the specs, They're the cameras, and, and one of our, our key standouts is the night vision capabilities of the camera for pictures and for video um, is like nothing we've ever produced before. But then under the hood, you also have the processor and the processor in the S22 family, including the, the 22 and 22 plus, is the world's first four nanometer processor in a mass produced smartphone. And that processor, which is blisteringly fast and gives about a hundred percent increase in NPU capabilities, drives a lot of the functionality for the camera and gives us some of those um, unbelievable night nighttime results um uh, yeah Mm. The, the, a lot of the, the techie bits, I suppose, the average consumer won't necessarily care about until they get the phone in their hands and then they get those beautiful images or they get extra time out of the battery because the phone is getting so smart. It's, it knows what it needs to do to kind of ensure that you get through the day and so on. In terms of the S and the Plus, so the 22 and then the 22 Plus, is the key difference just the, the bigger screen and a slightly bigger battery? Well, actually, it's it's no. As I say, um, it's the processing power that the new um, device has. 
is giving you capabilities that we've never seen on like the S21 or mm. the S21 before, uh, the S21 plus before. Um, your night vision, um, your, 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 your low light pictures and your low light videos um, produce something that is clear and altogether different. And it's all down to the, um, the AI client on the device. It, so it means that when you're taking a picture, say for example, a selfie or mm -hmm. um, a portrait picture, um, we use it called stereo depth mapping, which integrates completely into the portrait mode so that it gives you a much better contrast between your subject and the background. And that's not something, we've had something like it before, but nothing as sharp, nothing as standout before. And it uses a tech called improved object segmentation. Oh. Um, <laughs> Love term. I always love the phrases that, 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 uh, that these things. Yeah. But really what it means is the camera is capable of picking out your subject. And if they're holding um, something in their hand, it realizes that that's all one picture and that there's it, it, nothing's getting blurred out by accident because the AI client is, is clever enough to be able to say, ah, that's all one picture. I'll take that. I'll separate it from the background. And what you get left with is a really beautiful, sharp portrait picture. And it works the same for the rear cameras and the selfie camera as well. So the results are, are stand out. And that's one of the big things that separates it from um, its predecessor. Mm. Uh, let's talk about the Ultra, because when I saw the S Pen in the body of the phone, I kind of got super giddy because I have been the biggest fan of the Note range since the Note 2. I still have my Note 2 in my bedside locker. I refuse to throw it out even though it doesn't work anymore because I just think as a design and as a product in terms of what it's set out to do and what it actually achieved, it ticks all the boxes. Um, so is the Ultra, is the Note range gone is my big question. The Note category was one of our standout achievements over the last 10 years mm. it's produced people like you and i who are such massive fans of it that um well i mean our no category had the highest ever net promoter score for any category of galaxy devices that's how important the s pen and the note functionality is so far from killing it we are putting that functionality into more and more and more devices. So last year, you would have seen us um, introduce the functionality to the S21 Ultra, but it didn't have an S Pen in box and it certainly wasn't integrated into the device, but it is this year. And for anyone who isn't familiar with S Pen, because I mean, I, I understand that Note was always slightly niche. It was always that thing that the, the techies got really excited about and everybody else thought, well, it's it's just a stylus, but it's not just a <laughs> stylus. It's it, it's it's a, a remote control for your phone. It can be used as a remote camera shutter for your your camera, which is a really cool thing if you're trying things like um, uh, the light streak photography, where mm -hmm. you just want to put your phone on a tripod and not um, shake it at all, because for things like uh, light streak photography, your phone has to be quite still. So to have an, uh, the S Pen used as a remote switch for that is very cool. 
it can also be used as a clicker for your presentations if you plug your phone into a screen and use flex mode, which is a really nice um, piece of functionality. But also just for silly things like image manipulation and, and taking notes or drawing, the S Pen is beloved by a huge amount of people, but now is an opportunity to get it out to an awful lot more. And introducing that functionality into an S series device, well, I'm really excited mm -hmm. about it. Yeah, no, I, I think it's it, it makes a lot of sense. And I think for people, because that was the one thing about the Note series is that it was always pitched as the phablet and it was always identified as a business device. And I think now that the lines have become so blurred between work and play, it's nice to have a really good looking phone that looks, you know, the, the top of the market. It looks cool. You, you, you don't feel like you're walking around with a novelty sized phone. Even though the screen is big, I think the design and the body and everything like that is just so slick on the S22 Ultra and the pen is integrated. I'm, I'm very excited about it. Um, but I suppose if somebody is, or for, for those listening to this now and they look at the range, there is a bit of a price disparity between the basic S22, and I hate calling it that, but the basic S22 and then the S22 Ultra. Is price the key deciding factor uh, when you're picking a phone or is it down to the type of phone user you are so I am always on my phone my phone could do 95% of my job so the ultra makes sense for me or you know how should people think about it when they are approaching this lineup and it comes to buying a new smartphone I think there are lots and lots of ways to look at this I mean affordability is certainly a factor but as we've moved through the years you find that features that were sort of flagship specific in the past are inexorably creeping into the entry and even the mid-tier devices like as i said earlier having an ip rating on an a series device which is which is huge and image opt optical image stabilization which has started creeping into the to the mid-tier devices as well so it quickly comes down to not so much affordability as functionality and aesthetic as as you said yourself sometimes you pick up a phone and go the one for me i like that but for affordability i mean this year the s22 series is the same price as last year's despite uh, s21 series despite the fact that you're talking about a much faster processor despite the fact that you're talking about low light performance that is like nothing we've ever produced before, let alone the fact that we're doing things like introducing um, an S Pen into the device. But even at that, you know, the upfront cost for some of these devices can be can be high because that's the way the industry is going. So what we've done this year is we have worked really hard with all our channel partners to introduce um, trade-in for the new series of devices. So to, to get uh, an S22, there'll be an option to all channels to trade in your old device, which of course brings down the upfront cost. And then Samsung have uh, introduced an enhanced value as well. So you don't just get the price of your um, old phone, Samsung will supplement that price again. So in some channels, it's up to 600 euro off the, uh, the, the, the buy price which just makes it all a little accessible. And of course, we want to put as many of these phones in people's hands as possible. So 
that works for us too. Mm -hmm. I want to talk to you a little bit about one of the features you mentioned that I actually think is one of the most underrated Samsung features and that's DeX. Um, I am a huge fan. I, I remember, I think I was with you, we were at one of the launches in London years ago and I saw it for the first time and it blew my tiny mind. I was like, I don't understand how this is working, but it is and it's incredible. And a few months ago, I forgot my laptop because I'm really clever like that. And I came into work and all I had with me was an S20. Yeah, it was an S20. And I got a cable, plugged the phone into my monitor, hooked up my Bluetooth mouse and suddenly I could work like nobody's business. This is one of the most impressive features, I think, that a smartphone uh, can deliver. And I don't think enough people know about it. Is this something that we're going to see more of, particularly when we look at the high-end spec of something like the S22 Ultra that has, I think it's 12 gigs of RAM or something ridiculous like that, to have that amount of power in your pocket and then the capability to essentially turn it into a computer. It, it is a game changer. It is an absolute, and as you say, it's been around for quite a while and quite a lot of our enterprise customers use this. Again, as, you, as you've explained it beautifully there, but but for anyone who hasn't discovered it, it's simply the, the, the capability of plugging your phone into a larger screen and running a separate computer on that screen while your phone remains a phone and you can actually have dual screen mode where you're working very merrily on your large screen as the computer with say a, a 365 suite so that you get a proper PC experience while you can do normal phone things on your phone at the same time. It's it's something that we dial up sporadically when we feel that the message has been lost a little bit. It's an incredibly powerful piece of kit and you're right I, I, I use it all the time as mm. well. Yeah, no, I think people absolutely, if you have a Samsung phone, just give it a go and you will never look back, I promise you. Um, my final question, I think, until I think of another one, but my, my final question for now, um, the chip shortage has caused havoc across the board, not only in, you know, consumer tech, but in uh, motoring, like every industry is kind of feeling it now. Is this going to upset or impact the rollout of the S22 devices? Uh, no is the short answer. We 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 we've planned we've been planning this for a very, very, very long time. So we we have a fair idea of where we're going with it. And Samsung, of course, are in quite a, a lucky position insofar as we produce our own chips and indeed we supply chips to other um, um, industries and manufacturers as well. So it's something that we have to keep a watching brief on all the time and it's a situation that's changing all the time but it's it's something that we just keep an eye on and roll with the punches as best we can awesome stuff well uh, that is a guide to the s22 range i will have my first uh, th impressions and thoughts and feelings about the device on tuesday's pat kenny show and we will have a full review then the following week uh, but as ever quentin it's a joy to talk to you and i hope i get to see you in person very soon Indeed. Thank you very much indeed, Jess. That was Quentin Dorn O'Reilly, the Head of Product Management for the IM division in Samsung, Ireland. Coming up next here on News Talk, we'll hear about the programme that's looking to tackle digital inequality in Ireland. Tech Talk with Jess Kelly.
Welcome back to Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. As ever, you can email the show techtalk at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Twitter at Jess Kelly NT. And we're going to talk about something a little bit different now. Uh, I came across this project that Microsoft Ireland and Maynooth University are working on. And it's looking to address the digital inequality that exists in terms of education here in Ireland. And this particular project is looking to increase the number of girls engaging in STEM subjects. So that's science, technology, engineering and maths. This collaboration is very much focused on digital wealth and the STEM Passport for Inclusion projects. I went out to see the programme in action. I met with a whole host of brilliant people that you're going to hear from in a few minutes. But first, I'm going to bring you my chat with Dr. Katrina O'Sullivan, who is a lecturer in digital skills in the Assistant Living and Learning Institute at the Department of Psychology in Maynooth University. She has been instrumental in this initiative. And I started by asking her to explain what it's all about. The STEM Passport for Inclusion is a project that aims to ensure that girls that come from diverse backgrounds actually get an opportunity to participate in the digital revolution. Um, One of the things that my research observed over the last few years and my personal experience is that not everybody gets a fair opportunity to engage with STEM and science and technology and engineering maths in our schools is offered at a varied level. So if you look at some DESH schools, for example, young women don't get the opportunity to study physics or higher level maths, which really impedes their opportunities to participate in these great jobs that are available that Microsoft are offering and other tech companies. And so I decided to take my experience in working in widening participation and equality and diversity and partner with a great company like Microsoft to try to actually do something big in Ireland. And so the STEM Passport for Inclusion actually targets three particular areas in the system where we know there's problems. The first thing it targets is we know that these young women are not actually getting the qualifications they need to go into college to study STEM or else to go to um, get the careers they want. So we've developed a university accredited module that's delivered through Microsoft Educators and through Maynooth and Munster Technological University. And the girls come and spend three lab days with us. They learn to code, they learn to think critically, they learn about math, science, all these brilliant topics. But they can use that credit to progress then into universities. So at the moment, Munster Technological University are awarding 50 points for girls who complete this module. The second thing then, really importantly, is that they get to meet women in tech. Mm -hmm. So we've got 125 women who work in Microsoft and Accenture and all different companies who are actually mentoring these young women. And when we say mentoring, what we mean is they're just building relationships, telling them about their jobs, asking them about their own skills and actually just spending a bit of time to inform them that STEM is possible for everybody. And then finally is the harder change. It's that infrastructural thing where making sure that everybody is aware that this is a problem Mm -hmm. and that young women need to be involved in the future, like that they are potentially the leaders that we need. And so we have media campaigns, we have a a website, we have careers guidance. We're trying to, I suppose, get the media involved and um, society involved to actually recognise this is not a charity. This is actually about celebrating talent and making sure there's a pipeline for all the people in society to reach their potential. One of the really important things that come from initiatives like this is exposure, as you said, to the technology and to people. 
because even if every uh, young woman that participates in this doesn't go on to have a career in tech, they're still learning skills that are applicable to pretty much every walk of life now because tech has infiltrated everything. So in terms of their development, it must be a really beneficial thing aside from learning the coding and the practical skills like that. So that's a really important point. It's that our model is not about technology. It's about skills. It's about 21st century skills. So what we focus on is collaboration, creativity. Technology is just the medium through which they can do that, but it doesn't have to be uh, through technology. So what we teach and what we, it's not even teach, what we collaborate with these skills is um, we're trying to get them to think like scientists, to actually problem solve, but to do that together and to be able to see that technology can feed into that in a real attractive way. Now, some of the program is about the hard skill. Can you code? You know, do you want to code? Because we need that as well. But more than that, we're actually creating scientists, thinkers, critical thinkers, women who can participate, bring their own ideas. And one of the important parts of this program is that young working class women, we have a different background. I'm from that background. We have different ideas, different experiences, and it's really going to be beneficial to the future of technology, but also society, to have women who can think critically and actually apply that to the problems that we're facing. And so, yeah, I really agree and we really try to harness the skills and make sure it's skills focused rather than tech focused because sometimes that can put people off mm -hmm. some people just hear the words code and they think well that's for the boring scientists yeah. so what we're actually doing is saying actually you don't have to be a boring scientist you can be a cool young woman and just think differently and solve problems I was lucky enough to go to the Microsoft HQ in Seattle a few years ago and one of the things that stays in my brain and I give this example all the time is that they were telling me a little bit about their voice assistant and how they had brilliant computer brains around the table and they were talking about the potential of this technology and then they introduced a poet and then they introduced a musician and different points of views identified different potentials for this technology and kicked it on and we the general consumer now get the benefit of those different voices around the table so for people listening to this now who may be wondering what does it matter like why do we need to have different backgrounds we actually get the benefit of it when there are those different people chipping in with different experiences different thoughts different takes on things it does stand to everybody in the long run well there's loads of evidence already to show that when I suppose data doesn't include women's voices or women's data, that it can go wrong. So if we can look at the development of seatbelts, for example, and where they didn't use women in the development of seatbelts, they were harmful. So there's loads of evidence to show that if you don't, and also if you look at HR and hiring in HR, if you use male-dominated data, you actually skew the options for certain groups, women or minority groups. But from our point of view, and from my point of view particularly, I think for a long time we've looked at access to education or access to employment in a deficit model in a way where these people are oh you know poor kids and they're not getting an access and not actually looked at the potential mm -hmm. that they bring to the development of our future and taking my own story for example which i always use because it's the easiest one for me to grab onto 
like I'm an innovator. I'm a, I'm a young working class woman. I left school at 15, had no opportunities, didn't realize that STEM was ever an option for me. But because I've been empowered by programs like this, I'm actually changing the future. I'm actually bringing my voice, the voice of disadvantaged women or women who are marginalized and actually questioning the development of education, which is making it more inclusive. And I think when we look at STEM or innovation and the future, it can only be beneficial to have women like me and these girls at the table, if not for the development of products, also for the ability to question and say, why? Why are we doing this? Who is this harming? Who is this benefiting? Sometimes I think the system is rigged. I've said this pre publicly before. But sometimes I, I observe that we keep on producing the same cycle of inequality or um, and meeting certain groups and just having women like myself and these girls at the table will provide a space to question the norm and that can only be beneficial. How do we kick it on though beyond projects like this because this is incredible but I'm looking around the room at the number of people that we have here obviously you're, you're doing it uh, across the board but how do we ensure that nobody gets left behind because people who aren't included from the outset can then self-exclude as time goes on because they think, oh, well, no, people like me don't do that. So how do we fix it? So I'm really glad you've asked me that question because the next phase of this, this is a project we're funded for two years. The next phase of this, though, I've already met with the Department of Education. This, for me, the vision for this project is that every girl who goes through TY in a DESH school will actually leave with this qualification, will actually leave having visited and done an internship in a STEM um, employment space and also will have met and had a mentoring relationship. So for me, phase one, and that's all I think about is national I'm not and international. So for me, it's like prove the concept. We've proven it here. We've got a thousand girls moving through this program. We had 4,000 applicants. We had to say no to 3,000 girls on this project. So we've proven the concept and now it's about going national. Microsoft have agreed to partner with us going forward. We've other tech companies that are but chomping at the bit to be involved. So for me, it's about embedding it in the education system and making sure that everybody gets free at fair access to this this and I don't know about all of the problems in society but for now my focus is ensuring that but in 10 years from now every girl especially from a desh community will leave school with a stem qualification but more importantly the ability to engage in the stem revolution and think critically about where they fit and what their family might do or where they might work in the future earlier this week we saw further progress with the digital strategy bill and I read through the detail of the proposal and it is all very much focused on connectivity, um, remote working, hybrid working, the, the, the opportunities that will come from that. From your engagement with the department, do you get the sense that there is the appetite to ensure that this incredible forward-looking future that we're all hopefully going to participate in will include everybody and not just the people who are already lucky enough to be participating in it? I think one thing that's emerged from COVID-19 and from the research that we've undertaken in that is that digital poverty affects everybody. So it's the great leveler. So while I, we're working towards empowering young women who come from a specific background to be digitally prepared, we have seen that you know, middle-class families who are 
down in the country, they don't have Wi-Fi, or maybe teachers don't have the skills to be able to teach creatively or use technologies. So I definitely feel that the department is, is aware and they know that we need to make sure that that basic skill level is in place, as well as the infrastructure, as well as the commodities, but the basic skill level, which we're really contributing here, and Microsoft and Maynooth are in all their partnerships, are really fundamental. So like, I'm pushing on an open door. The STEM passport for inclusion has been included in the um, recommendations for national rollout as a pilot by the STEM uh, working group. So it definitely is something I think that our government is committed to. I also think that they don't understand. It moves so fast. Like we're, we're actually, if you could think about 20 years from now, mobile phones weren't even really in everybody's pockets. So, I mean, our politicians have to catch up as well, but definitely I think they're committed and they're aware and they want to learn. So we're being invited to the table. We're having conversations, which is all uh, a wonderful thing. That was Dr. Katrina O'Sullivan. When we come back, we will hear from Microsoft about why they're involved in this project and how their team are inspiring the next generation. Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. Welcome back to the final part of this week's Tech Talk. Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. I'm bringing you inside the STEM Passport for Inclusion project that is running at the moment. Uh, it's an initiative that is very much being led by Maynooth University and Microsoft Ireland. And I spoke to James O'Connor, who is the site lead at Microsoft, uh, and he's also the managing director of VP Microsoft International Operations. And I asked him why Microsoft is involved in this project. Well, Microsoft's been very, very passionate about digital skills and particularly around addressing the digital divide of people that maybe that don't have access to technology or digital skills. We're very, very passionate about increasing digital focus and digital skilling. Being Ireland being a digital leader, it's a huge opportunity for Ireland to be a broader digital leader on the digital scale. And we need more and more people participating. And particularly we need girls participating in STEM and particularly we need to make sure everyone it, regardless of the, there's a big individual uh, divide and we want to make sure everyone's able to participate in that regardless of their background or their experience. Over the years I've been out with Microsoft and you've done various initiatives whether it was the Hour of Code, I've been to the Dream Space in your HQ a few times as well. This seems to go beyond that and trying to reach the, the, the girls who may have slipped through the net through some of those initiatives. We've heard earlier on in the show about why this matters. Yeah. From your point of view, from Microsoft's point of view, it must be imperative to ensure that our young people have the skills that they're going to need, regardless of what sector they go into in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. So we started with the DreamSpace experience back in 2018 that you're very familiar with, Jess. And from that, that's focused on primary and secondary. We've then increased that with Pathways to Life. But I think the more we expanded it, and then with COVID, we moved all of those offerings to online. So we're able to actually have a broader reach than we did have in the physical experience in our campus. And I think through that, that also really focuses us on the people that don't have access to digital skills. That became very clear through COVID, especially desk schools really struggled moving to uh, remote learning, didn't have access to technology, didn't have the devices. And for us to be a digital leader and for everyone to participate uh, in digital, you know, every company, every organization is now a digital business in one way or another. And we know by 2030, 90% of the jobs, this is coming from the World Economic Forum, will require digital skills. So we realize that we need everyone participating in that, regardless of their background. And that's why we've extended these offerings and doing partnerships with Minute, uh, potentially in terms of what we're doing on this project on the STEM password uh, for inclusion. 
one of the things that often strikes me is that when I was growing up, I was interested in technology, but I wasn't great at the subjects that you might think would be needed to get into technology yeah. in some capacity. But as I've gotten older, it's kind of hit me that companies like Microsoft, they need creative people. Absolutely. They need artistic people. Absolutely. They need people who are confident when it comes to speaking, not yeah. necessarily just the technical skills. Yeah. Is that true, you know, in Microsoft, for example, that you need all kinds of brains to make the company oh, as totally. big as it is? Yeah, like a company like Microsoft is not just about techie people, right? Of course, we're a technology company, but we have people from all walks of life and backgrounds and from multiple disciplines, you know, whether it's uh, all across the financial area to our technical skills, to marketing, to sales, to operations. And so, like, I grew up in North Wexford, right, in the, in the middle of the country. I didn't even know what computing was when I was growing up in the late 80s. And it was actually introduced to me by a family friend, right? So, and I had no intention of going down a STEM. And it was actually that, it, that spurred my interest. You need mentors, you need opportunity, particularly if you're coming from backgrounds or communities where maybe you just don't have that access to technology skills or to role models. It's really important that we give uh, students that opportunity. And it's amazing, they, they have the unearthed skills that they may not realize. We know that anyone participating in the uh, program that we're doing here on Passport for Inclusion massively increases their confidence immediately. Uh, and uh, we've seen some great examples of that from Katrina and others in terms of the impact that those in individual students have got from the Passport uh, program and they've actually changed their choices on CAO. We know of a, of a girl down in Kerry that was thinking about going into bakery and then she's changed completely uh, her perspective, perspective and opportunity and she realizes now the opportunity in STEM after going through the, the Passport program. One thing that strikes me is that this isn't just a PR opportunity for, for Microsoft. This is something that your people right across the company are involved with on different levels. Can you give me an example of how people from different parts of the company get involved, even if they're not like Amanda in there teaching the classes? This huge passion to contribute to society and particularly to help uh, society with digital skilling across all of our employees at Microsoft. We've almost 3,000 people here. And one of the examples on the, uh, the STEM password for inclusion is that we have a number of women leaders across Microsoft, all from different backgrounds, different experiences, different disciplines as well in terms of the jobs that they do every day that are participating in the mentoring program. And so they're sitting down with the students that are participating in this program and sharing their backgrounds, sharing their experiences and giving them confidence. And it's back to my point earlier, you know, role models like that really do help, uh, particularly girls from disadvantaged communities to really think differently around, wow, there is some future opportunities here and I can do something different and pursue potentially a STEM or even pursue future careers or training and development in areas of digital. My name is Amanda Jalloff and I'm the Dreamspace lead in Microsoft Ireland. So I followed you around the country at different yeah. uh, types of uh, classes like this, but this is incredibly interesting seeing the students uh, in situ with their devices listening to you and then carrying out these different um, trials and tests, I suppose. Tell me a little bit about what your key objective is from this programme. Yeah, so I suppose our objective with the programme is to give these young women the opportunity to explore loads of different types of STEM and the application of STEM in their everyday lives. So because they might not maybe get that opportunity in other settings. So it's about giving them that exposure and seeing, do they like it? Is it something they're interested in? Um, and also trying to shape the skills then that universities have indicated to us that they would need in STEM courses. So we're trying to really give them that extra boost that they'll need if they go into any type of STEM course in the future. How long do you spend with a particular group? Yeah, so we do full day sessions. So each group does three full lab days from basically nine to five. 
with us and then they also complete online independent work and all of that wrapped together is the accredited module that we developed from a DreamSpace point of view, um, which is the one that's being recognised then by the two universities involved in the project. So I've been sitting at the back of the classroom for the last little while listening as you've been explaining things and giving direction and my brain is kind of pulsating a little bit. <laughs> How does everybody, you know, <laughs> anyone else in the same boat? Yeah, okay, cool, it's not just me. But how do, how easy does this go down? I, I see the examples that you're giving and that you're trying to equate it to real life examples, which is brilliant and it's helping me try to digest it. Mm. But you are using a completely different language. Yeah, yeah, that's it, like this, that's what they say about computer science like they are different languages so it's just practice it's trying to take it into simple steps and you mentioned you heard me mention there maybe computational thinking to the students so let's decompose this into simpler digestible pieces and let's build from there um, but like anything the practice and then the, the skills that they develop will always help them work through the problems they encounter as they go so after they leave their three full day sessions with you mm. how can they take this home with them you know and are there applications or programs that they can do that are free that are easy to access so they can keep on top of the skill yeah so there's a couple of options like some schools are obviously looking at this with us as well as part of even the digital wealth project and how they can keep students on the journey and um, and then also we can connect them with all the resources in dreamspace that we've created and um, such as things like on python which we're only doing one day on today but we actually have eight lessons on online to watch so and trying to keep them in with that and, and allow them to practice it if it is something that they've really found a passion for. The, I was saying earlier on, my uh, niece, who's seven, is actually starting coding today ah, after school and she's so excited. But she was saying to me, oh, Jessica, you'll be able to help me. And I was like, no. Are you ever too old to, to get in and to learn this? Like, I should have come at the beginning of day one and tried to get involved. But is this something that anyone can get involved in? Absolutely. Like, tons of people are going back reskilling and things like this. I myself only went back four years ago to learn to code. I'd never coded before in my life. Um, and I went back and I learned and I absolutely love it now. And it actually it helps me teach it because I only learned it recently. Mm -hmm. So I think um, I like lifelong learning and all of that, like you can absolutely go back and learn this stuff. And there's tons of resources. And I suppose for young people, that's what we're here to help with. I'm gonna walk around and meet some of the, the girls taking part now, but in terms of the feedback that you get when you're doing these sessions, regardless of you know what age the students are, mm -hmm. Does that help you adapt how you teach it and how you explain it and how you break it down so that everybody in the room gets on board? 100%, like the feedback we get from the students and even the teachers that come with them is crucial to how we shape the programme. We're always iterating over the lab days and how we explain things, what tasks we spend more time on and less time. And at the end of lab day three, we'll get full feedback from the groups to make sure that we shape this even better for next year. Um, but all in all, the feedback has been you know, positive and it's been interesting to see some of them identify things like computer science as something they hadn't tried and they actually really enjoyed. So mm. that's a boost. I've been with you when you've been engaging with primary school kids in the past out in DreamSpace at Microsoft HQ and you get to see the excitement and the fun mm. side of it, whether they're using you know, all the different tech and the screens that you have and some of the arts and crafts bits that you do. You must find it really rewarding to engage with students who like they're not that much younger mm. than you are and you're getting to impact them in Thanks. a way <laughs> I saw your age on the screen earlier on I was like, okay, we're the same age so I can say that we're really young um, but it must be nice to be able to feel like you're having an impact and you are giving the you know lifelong skills I was given the example earlier on of when I was in fourth class an exchange student came to my school and taught me how to touch type mm. and that's probably the thing that I use most from my entire primary school education yeah. and you're now imparting that on 
kids from six right up to six years that must yeah. be great for you absolutely like our whole team in Dreamspace, our teachers this is this is what we absolutely adore doing this is what we love doing it's what we're passionate about um, and like you know not everyone here maybe is going to go on to do these things but even if a couple of people have found something that they didn't know they were good at that's what this is all about it's about that exposure and giving opportunity to the young women involved that was Amanda Joliffe, the Dreamspace lead at Microsoft Ireland, talking to me about the honestly brilliant work that she is doing, educating young people right around the country on how to engage with technology through this STEM Passport for Inclusion project. If you want more information about this or any of the initiatives that the Dreamspace team do, uh, you can visit microsoft.com forward slash Dreamspace. I have to say, I really enjoyed being out with the girls as they were learning to code. I spoke to quite a few of them who were really engaged with what they were being taught. And it sort of re-emphasized to me the importance of a proper approach to digital education. And that's not as easy as it sounds. You know, we heard from Dr. Katrina O'Sullivan earlier in the show about why and how certain parts of society get left behind. But I think there's no denying that technology is going to play an increasing role in our day to day lives. So digital literacy and digital skills are just incredibly important. Uh, I would love to hear from you about what services or supports are available for young people in your area. Or indeed, if you're running a class yourself, you can email techtalk at newstalk.com. But that is all we have time for this week. If you missed any of the show, you can, of course, listen back in full on the News Talk app powered by GoLoud. I'll be back with Shane and Kira on News Talk Breakfast on Monday morning and I will have that review of the Samsung Galaxy S22 Plus on Tuesday morning uh, on the Pat Kenny Show. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your weekend.